My name is Stephen. Um, I, I go to Sovereign Hope Church. Um, I work in the children's ministry as a part-time staff member. Um, I was a student here for a little while. Um, plan to be finished school pretty soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, to, to get up here and share the word with you guys. Tyler uh, has a oral surgery, so he's, he's being a pansy and not deciding he can't do this tonight, so I'm going to take over for him this evening. And I'm truly grateful for the opportunity. I'm thankful you guys for letting me get up here and let one of your peers get up here and, and, and share the word with you guys. Um, we've been going through Ephesians, a body in motion. Um, we're going through it systematically, taking it uh, section by section. And, um, and the passage, as Cody read, that we're in this evening is Ephesians 1, uh, 15 through 23. Um, and the passage we're looking at this evening, uh, it's a prayer. It's a prayer by Paul. Um, and typically when you pray for somebody, you do it on your own. You do it uh, by yourself or with, with, a, with a group or with a, a friend or a family member. Um, when you pray for somebody, you, you, pr- you do that on your own. Occasionally, though, you let someone know you're praying for them. I have a friend at work. He's going through some things. I let him know occasionally that, hey, man, I'm praying for you. He, he, we, we keep talking about life, talking about things. And I say, hey, you know, hey, Matt, I'm praying for you this week. Um, letting someone know that you're praying for them. Um, there's a purpose behind that. Um, and Paul, in his letter, is letting the Ephesians know that he is praying for them. The purpose behind it is an, is it, it's an encouraging word. It's an encouraging word to the Ephesians, and it's a reminder. Um, he's doing what he can to encourage them in the gospel, and he's reminding them of what's important. He's reminding them of, of some key things that as Christians we need to keep in mind. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the passage one more time, um, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive right in. So this is Ephesians 1, uh, 15 through 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith and in the, Lord Je- in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what are the immeasurable greatness, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Lord God, um, Jesus, we love you. Uh, we thank you for this campus. We thank you for, for this group of people that are, uh, submit themselves to the word of God and submit themselves to worshiping you, Jesus. Uh, we pray that you'd open our hearts, enlighten our hearts, uh, give us the hope of the gospel. God, we, we pray that we're faithful in that, that we're faithful in remembering and teaching and, and preaching the gospel to ourselves. Um, Jesus, we love you. Uh, let you be preeminent in what we're doing. Let you be the goal of what we do tonight, God. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, as I said, this is a prayer by Paul, and he's letting the Ephesians know that he is praying for them. And there's a purpose behind that. It's encouragement. And he begins in Ephesians 1, 15 uh, through 16, excuse me. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So, Paul initially, he's thanking God. He's telling them he's thanking God for their faith and he's thanking God for their love for each other. 
So that first one, he's thanking God for their faith. I, I had the opportunity this last summer to be a part of the, the interns at GCF um, here. We, uh, the goal behind it was a discipleship internship, and the purpose was to work on discipleship, one-on-one discipleship in particular. And we had these large group meetings where we discussed the theology, where we discussed practical things, we discussed strategies and stuff in, in how to connect with people one-on-one, get into the Bible one-on-one, and, and connect at, as individuals one-on-one. One of the things that we talked about as at one of these large group meetings was assuming the gospel, that we don't want to ever assume the gospel. And by assuming the gospel, I mean not talking about it, not making it part of our conversation, and not making it preeminent in what we're talking about. So <clears throat> it's no longer part of the conversation, it's behind the conversation. The gospel is no longer what we're talking about. It's, it, it's there. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's there for us. And we, we, we operate with, the go- with, with a gospel mindset. We live out a gospel life, but we don't talk about it. Okay, we don't talk about it. We don't, it's not in our conversation. <clears throat> and that's not, that's a, Paul is, Paul's reminding them of their faith. He's thanking them for their faith. He's thanking God for their faith. He's reminding them that the gospel is important, that their faith is important, and that that's not something to be assumed. He never assumes the gospel. Paul never does. Um, as we see in, in, in Ephesians, he, 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 the first three chapters is him laying out the gospel. It's him talking about theology behind the gospel. Every other, every, all of his other letters, he does the same thing. He preaches the gospel before he gets into anything practical. He talks about the gospel. He preaches the gospel. He writes about the gospel. So often, we in our lives get lost in, in you know, what we're doing um, friends, family, school, work, um, and, and, and it's easy, it's really easy to let the gospel just kind of sit in the corner. We're not, we, we don't talk about it. We don't, we don't, it's not, like I said, it's not in the conversation. We just operate um, without that being at the front of our minds, without that being, being always there in the, in the front of our minds. And now, um, I've been married for three years. Wife, Jessalyn, sexy woman. Um, <laughs> been married for three years. We dated for two and a half before that. Um, but something that God was very grace, gracious in teaching me early on was that when you get married, you're never done dating. And, and I, don't, I don't mean dating other people. That's weird. <laughs> but you're never done dating your spouse. You always date. It means you're always getting to know each other. You're always learning more about each other. You're always digging into each other's lives. Um, it, it, you're always, you never stop dating. You continue to pursue that relationship with each other. And that's the same way with the gospel. We never, we never stop pursuing the gospel. And by the gospel, I mean the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our faith in that. And all the implications of that. We never stop letting that be the why of why we do everything. We are given the gospel, and that is always the why. We never, never cease pursuing that. We preach the gospel to ourselves. John Lumen did a sermon, or was it Tyler? I don't remember. One of you guys did a sermon about um, <laughs> preaching the gospel to yourself in the Psalms. How preaching the gospel to yourself is a source of encouragement. It's, it's a reminder how in your devotions, in, in, in your life, in, in your walk, you're continually preaching the gospel to yourself, reminding yourself about why you are here, why you do what you do, and what's important. Um, Don Carson, he's a theologian, he's, he's a professor, and he's a writer. Uh, brilliant guy. Uh, he said this in reference to, 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 the assume, to assuming the gospel. One generation knows the gospel, the next generation assumes the gospel, and the next generation rejects the gospel. 
if we assume the gospel, then, then people, if we assume the gospel in our relationships with our kids, with our friends, with our families, then, then they, don't, they don't know that that's the why of what we do. They don't know that that's the motivation behind what we do. I'm not saying go stand on a street corner. I'm not saying go, I mean, I don't want to offend anyone, but don't, I'm not saying go stand on a street corner screaming the gospel, but I am saying that that needs to be in the conversation. That needs to be who you are, and that needs to be known that that's who you are, and that's the why of what you do. We never assume the gospel. The second thing Paul is thanking them for is, is their love for one another, their community, their relationship. <clears throat> um, Tyler talked last week about the, the pronouns in the, in the previous verse, the, the, the uh, plural pronouns about the, the we's, the ours, the us's, how important community is to us. I mean, that's a very important thing for the Sovereign Hope Church, too, is the community. And that's why we have community groups, to do life together. I mean, Jesus died for the church, the church. Not individual, not an individual. Jesus died for the church. And that is what community is there to remind us of. And we're, 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 we live life together in community. Like Cody said, Sean's meets on campus. If you live on campus, you literally have to walk no more than five minutes to get to a community group. Community is very important. Paul's reminding them of the importance of their community groups. It's not something to neglect. It may be difficult. It may be awkward at first, especially if you're new, especially if, this, if it's not your, something you've done before. It's awkward. It's weird. But we're commanded to do it. Community is part of our faith. It's part of our walk. So we've looked at this reminder. That Paul starts his prayer here by, by, by telling the Ephesians that, he, that he's, he, he, he's reminding them of the gospel and he's reminding them of community, their love for one another. Um, Paul goes on in Ephesians 1, 16 through 19, <clears throat> to say, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. Too often as Christians, we, we neglect our minds. And by that I mean, we neglect theology. We neglect theological training. I've noticed that in, in, in my past and in Christian culture, something that we do is, is we want the practical. We want something we can use. We want, we, we, we want to read scripture and we want to apply that to our life. We, we want it to have an immediate impact. We want to live it out in our life. We want to live it out in our relationships, our work and school. We want something we can use. And that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. But not at the expense of theology. Not at the expense of theological training, of understanding the whys. And by the whys, I mean the, the whys of the gospel, the ins and outs of the gospel. Paul's telling the Ephesians here in this section of scripture to know, to use their minds to know what is the hope of the gospel, to know what are the riches of our inheritance, to know what the power of the gospel is. He's encouraging them to continue to learn, to continue to understand the gospel, understand the scripture, understand what God has given us. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, 36, Jesus one of the Pharisees asked him what the greatest commandment is, and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And 
our heart, soul, and mind. And Paul reminded them, you have the faith, you have the love for one another, your heart, your soul, you're, you're worshiping me with your heart and soul. But he's, he's here telling them, asking that God would give them the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge to know the Bible, to know the scriptures, to know the gospel, to know their faith, to use their minds. Part of being a Christian is when we're saved, um, we respond in worship. That's why we live, quote-unquote, moral lives. We, we're not, we don't live, we, we, don't, we aren't obedient to God because we need to earn anything. We aren't obedient to the scripture because out of some obligation. We are obedient to the scripture and pursue the Lord because he saved us and because we want to and because God's given us that desire. Okay, and, and part of living out your life in, wor- life in worship is worshiping with your whole self. Worshiping with your whole self, your actions, your, your faith, your heart, including your mind, including your mind, your thoughts. <clears throat> Ephesians 1, 17 through 19 says that the Lord, or that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him, having the heart, the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. Paul's saying that you may know the gospel. His, his prayer is that you may know the gospel, that you will know the riches of the inheritance, that you will know the hope, the joy of the gospel, the power of the gospel. Paul's telling them to don't neglect that. Don't neglect knowing. Don't neglect your mind. Don't neglect training. Paul's reminding them to pursue knowledge. We're called not only to faith and love, <clears throat> but we're also called to know, to learn, to worship with our minds. And what does that mean? How do we, how do we worship in, uh, with our minds? Where does that begin? What does that look like? Well, it starts with the scripture. It starts with the Bible. It starts here. The Bible is God's revealed word to us. It is how God chose to reveal the nature of reality to us. Everything that, that God intended for us to know about him is in here in the scriptures. That's what God's given us to know about him. <clears throat> and, I mean, this is, this is a bottomless well of knowledge and information and of wisdom. You will never learn everything there is to know about the Bible. You will never learn there will never come a point where you don't need the scripture. I mean, St. Augustine, he was, he was a, an old church father theologian. Um, he spent 10 years studying the Trinity and the Trinity alone. 10 years. I can't go 10 minutes without getting distracted. <laughs> 10 years studying the Trinity alone. I mean, you will never exhaust the Bible. The Bible will never cease to give you information, wisdom, and knowledge that you, that you can use. <clears throat> There's, as well, there's nothing more important, there's nothing more valuable than what you will learn from the scripture. You will never learn anything more valuable than what you will learn in scripture. If to us, the, the most important thing to us as Christians, by definition, is the Lord Jesus. And this is where we find him. This is where we find information. This is where we find wisdom and knowledge. This is where we learn about him. There, there is nothing you will learn that is more important than what you will learn in Scripture. This is our lifeline. Most important thing we'll ever own. 
It starts with Scripture. Training our minds, training what we know, what we think, it starts with Scripture. Now, this, this can be a, a stumbling block for us. Um, you'd think that as students, uh, um, as young adults, that this would, be, this would come naturally to us because we're surrounded with the culture of learning, um, that we're surrounded with knowledge and pursuing education and, and, and whatnot. But I've, I've definitely, for myself and, and others, I've noticed that that's not the case. That, that too often kids are, people our age, adults our age, not kids, we're not kids. We're not kids, we're adults. Too often, adults our age, we neglect, we neglect learning. We neglect diving theologically into the scriptures. And, and, and I, I, I've noticed a number of reasons that, that, that this is the case. Um, number one, and this is probably one of the biggest ones, is that as soon as you step foot on campus, as soon as you step foot in a classroom, particularly in the sciences and the literatures, you're assaulted with this idea that faith of any kind doesn't jive with science. It doesn't jive with reason. That, that to be a Christian or to have faith of most kinds, you have to neglect truth. You have to neglect reason, science, um, knowledge. You, you have to neglect reason and science to have faith. I mean, I took a humanities class, and part, one of our textbooks was the Bible. And to be honest with you, it was a joke. I mean, over and over again, she, 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 she broke down the Bible's integrity, as she would say. And... and, and <clears throat> excuse me, we are assaulted with that idea that, that, uh, that our faith doesn't jive with reality and that to have the faith we have means to neglect reality. Uh, and and I'm not, I don't think any one of us would ever agree with that, ever say we agree with that, but that doesn't mean it doesn't influence us a little bit. That doesn't mean that, that, that be, because we are constantly hearing that, and maybe we're, it's not even we're constantly hearing it, maybe it's just in the background, but because we're const, that's constantly part of what we're doing here on campus, it, it, it's, it's there. It's there. It's, it's part, it, it prevents us from, from really investing ourselves and, and diving in to what the Bible has to teach us because, it, it, like I said, it, they, say, they don't believe it jives with reality. That's reason number one. Reason number two is that we, we have whacked out priorities. We, 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 we don't care enough about Scripture. We don't care enough about our Bibles to put it high on the to-do list. I mean, we, we have school, we have work, we have friends, boyfriend, girlfriend, relationships, gotta go do this, do that, do the other thing, and our devotions slowly, slowly trickle down our to-do list, and diving into the scripture slowly trickles down the to-do list, and we never actually get to it because everything else takes priority. Reason number three is we just undervalue it. We, we, we don't, like I said before, Christian culture so often asks for practical. Like we don't want to know. We don't want to know how does the hypostatic union, the hypostatic union is the, the idea that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. How, how, how does the hypostatic union fit into my daily life? Like, uh, that, I don't want that. I, w- I want something practical, something that I can use, something that I can fit into my life. I mean, too often it, it's, we don't value theological training. We don't value learning the gospel, learning what the gospel has to teach us enough. And reason number four is we're just lazy. This is probably where I'm at, to be honest with you. You know, I'll get in bed at night, think, oh, I'll get up early and, and do my devotions, and yeah, that'll be, it'll be good. Hour of prayer, hour of devotions, yeehaw. And I wake up and hit the snooze button for two hours and sleep in. I mean, 
part of, we procrastinate. And I think this is common, especially among adults our age, is that we procrastinate, especially with this. We, we, we're, we're lazy with it. We don't, it's not that it's not a priority. It's a priority to us, but not as much a priority as sleep or, or, or other things, <clears throat> that we're lazy with it. We are just lazy with it. And I'm as guilty as all four of those as anybody. At, any, at some point in time, I've been guilty of all of those as anybody. That's part, of, that's part of maturing in our faith is that we recognize those. That we recognize that, that, that the importance of learning the gospel, the importance of scripture, the importance of diving into the word of God. And the, <clears throat> if we know the value of scripture, if we know that there is nothing more valuable than what we'll learn in scripture, then any of those reasons, you can, every single one of those reasons gets squashed. If, if the Bible is our absolute authority, and by absolute authority, I mean that, that, that it, is, it governs our lives. It is, uh, it is an authority over what I think. It is an authority over what my professor thinks. It's an authority over everything else in life. Then every single one of those reasons is, is null. It ma- doesn't matter. The Bible is our absolute authority. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a final reason for why we neglect diving into the Bible. Um, and, and the truth is, is, is it's, it's a difficult truth, but um, some of us who, who claim to be Christians aren't Christians. We haven't put our trust in Jesus. We don't care about the scripture because we don't care about Jesus. And I mean, maybe, maybe you grew up in it. Maybe, maybe it's something you, you're still riding kind of the coattails of your parents, or maybe you're just not, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe this is new to you. And that's fine. But if you don't value Jesus, you, don't value, you can't value the scriptures. You can't give the scripture the weight that it deserves if you don't value Jesus. Paul precedes his prayer for knowledge and wisdom and understanding with a reminder for faith and love. He precedes his prayer with a reminder for faith and a reminder for love. See, Paul recognized that you can't have faith, or excuse me, you can't have a love for the scripture, you can't have a love for the wisdom and knowledge in the scripture unless you have a love for Jesus. I have three scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. John 5, 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Luke 24, 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. All scripture points to Christ. All of the Bible points to Christ. All of the Bible is about Jesus. If we don't have a love and a desire to pursue Jesus, if we don't want Jesus, then we don't, then how can we want what points to him? How can we want this scripture? It's meaningless to us unless we have a love and desire and passion for Jesus. Um, I have a dog. He's a Siberian Husky. He's a, He's an awesome dog. I love my dog. Um, I'm actually, I'm one of those weird Missoula dog owners that loves their dog way too much, as my wife. I mean, I'm not even joking. I will carry on conversations with my dog speaking both parts. It's weird. I acknowledge that. But 
we adopted him last, last summer, and he, uh, actually, we were his fourth owner, and he wasn't even a year old yet, and so he'd had a bunch of different owners um, and, and, until we adopted him, um, and if you know anything about Siberian Huskies, they are really stubborn, and, and they're really, really strong-willed, but they're also really intelligent and loyal. I can't tell you how many times I ran around our neighborhood chasing him because he wouldn't listen to come, because he escaped, and he would, he would run into yards. The worst was when school was in, because we live across from an elementary school. When school's in and he's running around the kids, he looks like a wolf, okay? And when, when kids see a wolf, what do you think they do? All right, they, they freak out, they run and scream. It was so embarrassing. I can't tell you that. Um, but he wouldn't listen to come. He wouldn't listen to commands that we gave him because we weren't his master. We didn't have authority over him because he didn't recognize us as an authority. If Jesus isn't our authority, then that which testifies to him, the scripture, can't be our authority. If Jesus isn't sitting on the throne of your heart, then he can't be sitting on the throne of our minds then. If he isn't Lord of your life, he can't be ruler of your thoughts. We've been given so much grace, so much life. Why would we not want the ruler of the universe, the king of everything, to rule us? That's what Paul's going to tell us next in Ephesians 1, 19b through 23. <clears throat> I'll just read all of 19. And, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is above everything. Power, authority, dominion, rulers. He's preeminent over everything. He is king of the universe. He is king of this world. He's king of this, this classroom. He's king of this, this campus, our city. Jesus is king over everything. He is in sovereign control of all. He is above all, before all. He is the king. And what does that last verse say? That he's been given, that he gave him as head over all things to the church. He's been given to the church. We've been given Jesus. The same one that is before all, over all, in all, authority over all rule and dominion, sovereign over everything, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, over everything. That's who we've been given. We've been given Jesus Christ as a church. The church. The entire church. That's, our, our, that's, that's us in here. That's Sovereign Hope Church. That's church, the church of Missoula. The church of our country. The, the, the church in our, of our brothers and sisters in Africa. The church of our brothers and sisters in 1913. 2013 and 2113, Jesus has been given to the church. Paul reminded us of the importance of community, that Jesus was given to, to the church, not to individuals. Friends, that, 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 that Jesus, the one who rules over all, who's king over all, he, he, he paid the penalty for our sin. He gifted us his righteousness We've been given the gospel of that man, of Jesus Christ. And we, the church, 
<clears throat> the, at, as the church, our only proper response is worship. Our only proper response is worship with everything. As Paul reminded us, it's response with our souls, with our faith, it's with our hearts, it's with our love, and it's with our minds, it's with our thoughts. It's easy to remember love. It's easy to remember our faith. But it's difficult to really pursue the gospel with, with our minds. It's really difficult to dive into the scripture and read the minutia of some of, some of, some, some of the, the letters that Paul wrote. Romans, the Corinthians. It's difficult to understand. It takes a lot of time and effort. But we're called to it as Christians. We're called to it. We're called to know the power. We're called to know, as Paul says, the hope of the gospel, the riches of our inheritance in the gospel, and the power of God in the gospel. We're called to know. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we worship you. Jesus, we love you. You are, you are king over everything. You are king over creation. God, you, you rule. Jesus, help us, help us to, to be reminded that you rule over our hearts, our souls, and our minds, God. Let us not assume anything. Let us the gospel, God. Let, let that be at the front of our thought. Let that be at the front of our mind. Let that be at the front of our conversation. Jesus, help us to, to value the scriptures as you value them, as you've given them to us. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.